friends, welcome back. I hope that your January has been going well. I hope that it's been somewhat restful that as the new year begins and all this craziness is going on that you guys have found some respite in the fact that we have a new beginning and that things are starting over and even though we're still going to have to deal with some of the same things that we have new opportunities to be better as people and as a country and just all that i'm excited for one for the first time in a in a while now a couple quick announcements before we start if you guys haven't followed me on social media the best way to get in contact with me is through my instagram at chris Harmon rtb and also through my twitter redraw the bath um if you guys want to get in contact with me to give comments about the show to have questions for people that i've interviewed um, that's the definitely the best place to get in contact with me and I'd love to interact with people that are listening to this show more so if you want to connect those are some opportunities for you to do so today I get to welcome to the show a person who has impacted me both in word and in action I get to welcome to the show the singer and writer for the band Remedy Drive David Zock who also works for an abolitionist organization called Exodus Road and I am so excited as someone who uh, has been very passionate about seeing the end or at least the impeding of human trafficking in my lifetime. His work is very impactful. His music is very thought provoking and his music is very convicting and confrontational in, in the best of ways. And if you haven't heard his music, I highly recommend going to look for that and listen to, to some of the stuff that he's put out because it, it really is amazing. Um, and I believe they have a new album coming out pretty soon called Imago Amor. So if you guys are looking for new music to play or during your week, during your commutes, during whatever time you have to listen to music, I cannot recommend this band enough. Um, but yeah, without further ado, welcome to the show. Hello friends. Welcome back to the show today. I I'm super excited. I, I have these opportunities to talk to people who uh, have shaped my worldview, have, have shaped the way that I, I interact with the world around me, whether it be through just plain theology or, or justice work. And I also have the opportunity to talk to people who lead by example, who have taken the call of Jesus to go and do likewise, to uh, bring food to the hungry and, and clothing to the naked and, and freedom to the captive. and it's it's a really powerful and inspiring thing for me so i'm i'm stoked to even be a part of this conversation but today i get to welcome to the show the lead singer of remedy drive david zach david thank you so much for being on the show thanks for having me on chris I'm glad to be here so i i usually start just kind of by asking people what has your faith journey looked like throughout the years to get to you get you to where you are now <laughs> wow that's a great starter question. Um, I grew up in Nebraska. I was part of a, a um, real fundamental kind of home church network that uh, my parents were part of. They were hippies. They came out of that. Uh, they they came, came into all of this during the Jesus movement. Uh, and then that's how I grew up and that's all I knew. I read, I read scripture a very, a very certain way. Mm -hmm. I had a, a certain view of anybody that read it differently. Um, 
but then that all fell apart right before the band went full time. So I got mm-hmm. to travel a ton. I got to meet people of all different backgrounds. You know, I got mm-hmm. started meeting people that baptize babies, for instance, and I realized they <laughs> had a good reason why they did it. You know, based on the same collection of passages that I had been studying my whole life, and I was I was led to believe earlier on in my life that these people were just trying to put their own ideas and their own opinions into scripture. And then I realized they're, 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 they're getting it from not only scripture, but also from their tradition. And that helped me a ton, uh, be less judgmental and less, uh, narrow minded in the way I viewed people that saw the world differently than I did. And that's, you know, that started out touring with the band, uh, with, uh, in, in different denominations, we'd play, back-to-back Calvary Chapel, Lutheran, Catholic, uh, Evangelical Free, like night after night after night. And, and I love getting into conversations with the people that were putting the shows on to find out what made them who they are. And I was always really amazed by like the United Methodist Church always had something. Like never have I, never have I been in a United Methodist Church where they didn't have some sort of focus on the oppressed. And uh, that that was a big that made me think, and I remember a, a, a save save the children of Darfur campaign at one of those shows in like two thousand and five, mm. and that was around the time like Invisible Children was starting out to expose the warlord in, in Uganda. So that all played a role into into my faith. Hmm. And so that kind of brings you to like modern day of of that kind of shaped the the orientation around justice was that encounter with like you said methodists and and maybe other mainline denominations that really emphasize around the oppressed well it was just it was odd to me that that teaching that happens to be in scripture 2100 times was left out of so much Hmm. of what i grew up with and what i experienced today too i don't want to pick on my particular upbringing but in, in general it's an afterthought. It's crumbs from the table. Seriously. Mm. Like literally crumbs from the table when 95% of tithe money, 98% sometimes goes into what people think are going to be taking care of the poor and the powerless and the oppressed and the fatherless and the hungry. But instead it's building buildings and expensive sound systems. And there's the crumbs left over to, you know, buy a car for a single mom at the end of the year and everybody celebrates it, brings it around on stage. But what are what about the rest of those funds? And uh, yeah. has started to really wear on me heavy. I mean, heavy, especially when I'm going into these places and getting the benefit of that sound system and, and the benefit of that tithe money for putting on a concert. It mm. start, I started to realize, what am I doing with this? What, 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 how do I relate to this? And then when the song started being played on the radio in 2008, uh, it's, millions of people were hearing my song. Mm. And as soon as that happened, I thought, man, I have a, a responsibility to do more than just keep people happy and positive and encouraged. I, 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 I have a, I have a responsibility with this platform that I have to do more. Hmm. And, and what was that, what was that like for you guys when, when you achieved that, that platform, when you realized that you had that responsibility and you started writing in kind of the themes and and messages that you guys are putting forth now, what was the response from, I mean, from you guys as a band, you guys internally, the, the fans, the, the culture in general. Cause I, I feel like 
pushing forward, not necessarily a, a different message, but emphasizing another side of it of, of yes, like this freedom that you have, this joy that you have, like this, um, this liberation that you feel it go like it goes into all these other areas too it seems like that message unfortunately a lot of times for the church at large falls on deaf ears or even sometimes there's there's certain resentment towards people that that share that message and and so what was that like for you guys as as you started not pushing the envelope but but pushing more into areas of of awareness well it was surprising. It's like getting punched in the face. You know, you discover this thing. I discovered it from Bono. Bono at the presidential prayer breakfast with George W. Bush hmm. shared from the prophet Jeremiah, who said he took the cause of the oppressed. Isn't that what it means to know me, says the Lord God Almighty. And I felt betrayed hmm. in that moment. Why didn't anybody ever tell me about that? Yeah. And, and then he says, hey, 21 hundred times the poor are mentioned in scripture and our responsibility to the poor and and the fact that knowing god according to this prophet means taking their cause and i honestly looked at it as an afterthought so it was so convicting then you read the prophet amos and and a lot of times in isaiah where where they're saying hey stop singing hmm Prophets are saying that God's saying, seriously, stop with your songs. They bother me. They're annoying to me. I hate them. I hate your festivals. I hate your gatherings. I hate your worship music. Shut up mm. with your songs and come and give me justice. Go give me justice. Stop imposing heavy rents on poor people. Stop letting the, the powerful and the rich run roughshod over the poor. And these, these sort of things, it was like, man, does it really say this in here? I didn't, I didn't know this was in there. So as I started to see that, I started talking about it and it started showing up in lyric and the A&R would, would be like, Hmm, that's, you know, maybe, maybe that's an idea that we can bury, you know, on track nine in the middle of an album. It's not going to be a single. And it was, I, I was surprised that it was a threatening idea. That's the weirdest thing about the whole thing. It's a threatening idea to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and that kind of leads into, into my next question of as someone who has experienced this, this life of, of traveling around and, and being with different churches and every, every church, whether it's a group of churches in an area or a single church body, it, it has a different culture. It has a different way of doing things. But one of the things that seems so common, as you said, like, I hate your worship music. There's there's this kind of attitude towards these spiritual words like worship and uh, and um, revival and and these and persecution. Like there's all these kind of buzzwords that go out. And, and so why do you think there's this uh, dissonance between actual worship and actual revival and actual persecution versus what we as the American church call these things. Where, where do you think that comes from? It's hard for me. I can't, I can't say for sure. And I can't put blame on anybody. I have a lot of friends that are in this system, just like I'm in this system, but the system's mm -hmm. broken and I don't think you can put new wine in old wineskins. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the system itself is broken. It's set up in such a way where so many people are making their living on talking and singing and praying like that there's not enough left over to do the work of the gospel, which the gospel, you know, this idea of beautiful news, great news hmm. that's, 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 be, that's coming from afar on beautiful feet that Isaiah talked about the gospel. Then when Jesus in his first public speaking engagement that we have a record of says, he quotes the prophet Isaiah saying, the spirit of the almighty is upon me. And I have been anointed to proclaim good news to poor people, to proclaim freedom to the captives, liberty to the prisoners, a restoration of dignity to the oppressed and the downtrodden, depending on the translation, read recovery of sight to the blind and, and Mm. healing for, for people with conditions like not being able to walk. And he proclaims this, he inaugurates this new thing, this new kingdom, this new, this new kind of politics that exists in a completely different level than the empire that he was born into or our partisan politics of today. He came to inaugurate this brand new thing. And what frustrates me, and I never understood as a kid, like, how did, how did, how did, how did people that said they were following the way, the way of this kingdom, how did they ever end up cooperating with a brutal empire, you know, that ended mm. up cooperating with the brutality of Rome? Uh, and it, it just seemed like so strange to me my whole life. And then seeing like, you know, Henry Eighth, and thinking, man, he was like working right alongside the people that are saying they're following the way of the kingdom. What, what happened? Where did we get off track? Mm. Um, whether it's whether it's Babylon or Rome or Pharaoh back in the days of ancient Egypt or Belteshazzar, you know, there's always a group of people that kind of were okay with cooperating with world superpowers that dehumanize uh, dehumanize the poorest of the poor and, and the refugees and the exiles and and the vulnerable people. There's always been people that are willing to cooperate with with them if it gives them proximity to power. Hmm. And to see that play out the way it's playing out in our country is just so, it's so weighs so heavy on my heart. Um, and, and, and it, it seems like it's just about having cultural dominance and being able to, to have our own viewpoints and our own slogans um, in as many public places as possible. And I don't think it really honors or brings any glory whatsoever to the, to the maker of the heavens and the earth to have the word God on a piece of paper currency. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, right? Is I, I mean, even the other day I was with my pastor and we were doing a, a Bible study and we were asking the question of, what what happens like are other people from different religions doomed and and one of the questions that we got onto is like what is salvation like what is this thing that we're even talking about this kind of amorphous thing that like you talk to someone in alabama or california or montana or wherever and they'll probably have a different definition in practicality but within their like they just kind of say it because they don't actually know what they mean um and and the thing that kept we kept coming back to was well like what must i do to be saved and and jesus makes it very clear of 
of like, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. And, and that's how you know that you are mine is if you do these things. And, and we, we find ourselves in this culture that allows us to go to church on Sunday. And I mean, I don't even want to use the cliche sin examples, but like allows us to go to church on Sunday and, and pretty much just do that and go on with our lives and, and vote for certain presidential candidates for Supreme court seats and uh, other things that just aren't of value in the kingdom of heaven. And so I, where, I mean, what, what, what do you do with that? Like as someone in the system who, who is partake, not partaking in, but is influential, has, has pull, has say, has a, has a platform to act and, and kind of command people of like, Hey, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what, what do you do? Like in practicality? Cause I feel like so many people are getting burnt out. And so for, for you as someone who's still operating within that context, what do you do? Man, I think if I have a voice, then I got to use my voice to mm. be really loud about good works, good deeds. Mm. Like that's okay. Jesus said, you got your good works. You're either going to do them and you're going to be loud about it, or you're going to cover that light. The light is the good works. That's what it is, according to Jesus Christ. Or you're going to cover that with a bushel. You're going to, you said, what is, you know, what must I do to be saved? I, I, I am not a theologian. I don't know how that works. I don't understand natural birth, right? Neither do any scientists. So to be able to completely understand mm-hmm. as a theologian, spiritual birth and all that entails and what Jesus meant when he talked to Nicodemus versus what he meant when he talked to the rich young ruler. That's a complicated discussion, but I, I do know with confidence that to know God is to take the cause of the poor and that Mm. this is life eternal that we might know God. So there's some sort of eternal lasting element when, when I give my life out, when I pour it out, when we lay our lives down, when we, when we lay our rights and our privileges down, that's an action of following the footsteps of the King who called us to follow in that way of suffering. Instead of mm. insisting on our own rights, pushing our way to the front or having somebody represent us that pushes our way to the front and pushes other people that think differently down. What a disgrace. Where is the prophetic witness? But what encourages me, and I'm a hopeful person, I'm a hopeful person. There's always been Throughout all of history, there's always been this prophetic witness, these women and these men that have spoken up on behalf of the poor to those in power, that have called out religious nationalism, however it surfaced, however it showed its face, uh, whether it's a bunch of people standing in a square when Pilate offered them a trade and they said, we have no king but Caesar. Whatever it looks like, you know, however we crucify, I think the writer of Hebrews might have said it, however it is we end up crucifying the son of the creator anew with our actions. There's always people that are pointing it out. And I want to, I want to see how I'm making mistakes and, and, and study and listen to people that have more knowledge and wisdom than I have, but I also want to use my platform and my voice to call people together under the umbrella of freedom and justice and mercy and compassion to say, no, 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 no more defending, no more celebrating, no more adoration for what is 
what is hurtful, what is hateful, what is, um, what is power, you know, this, this, this lust for power. I want to see something different. I want to be known by our love. So I'm just trying to push it in that direction. However I can, it's not popular. Yeah. And that sounds like good news. Right. And I don't know, I don't remember who said it, but the, like when the gospel, it means good news. Like, why is it that this news isn't good for us now? Like it, even just the, it's like a, it, it becomes this abstract thing when we just talk about, oh, the the gospel, like, or that's not gospel centered or whatever the, the terminology is. And, and I think part of the good news is, is like it, it leads to uh, an outpouring of the heart. And it, the problem with with other ways that there is kind of an overflow from the heart in, in ways of, of adoration and, and response from God is that it leads to a kind of complacent and image driven um way of of doing things and and so i kind of hinted at it earlier and i mentioned it before we started recording um but you posted something today in response to uh, a certain worship leader that's been in the news recently about uh worship uh revival and and persecution and and for you from your perspective david what what do those things look like with justice in mind with with the gospel in mind like what what in your in your brain when you envision those things what do they look like man i'm i'm not pointing out one leader i'm i'm pointing out a whole culture and i'll i'll tell yeah. you this i went when i started to to really push the record label about writing a whole album on justice on social causes uh my A&R guy said but isn't isn't worship singing and all that other stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's right. You know, I think most people think that way. We're taught yeah. to think that way. We're taught, mm. even if no one ever said it out loud, what else do you expect? Look where we spend all our money. It mm. all goes to that. Uh, and then this idea that the government can keep us from worshiping, that's absolute <laughs> baloney. <laughs> There's no way that the government can keep me from worshiping. I don't need a sound system. I don't, I have my family right here in my home. Even if, even if we were on 100% lockdown, I'm going to keep on worshiping in the way we live our lives. It's our actions, the action of worship. And that seems so basic and elementary. And yet some of the most powerful leaders of the, the, the church building movement in America are saying the exact opposite and acting, um, there's like this persecution complex, this, this, uh, which is really, it's really centered in egotism and it's centered in narcissism. Mm. And we don't need that. There's already, there's, there's already enough that's hard to take when it comes to, uh, this, this message of Jesus Christ, the son of a carpenter, uh, in, in, uh, in, in, from Nazareth, you know, he, there's always, always so much to, there's, there's always so many, so many reasons for people to have an issue with that. But we have to create, we have to create all these other issues that, that give, hmm. give people a legitimate reason to, to criticize this movement. And I don't know, I wish I had an answer for you. I don't know how to, how I'm supposed to operate in the midst of all this. 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? I feel very orphaned. Yeah. I don't feel like I have a place in it. I feel like I'm on the outside of one thing and at the same time on the outside of the, of this other thing. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I just am getting hit by rocks that are being f- thrown from both sides. Yeah. Uh, and by both sides, it's kind of a different than the normal both sides you're hearing. I I'm getting hit by rocks thrown by people with Jesus in their social media bio at atheists or leftists or whatever, they're hitting me on their way across. And then at the same time on the way across these, these rocks coming from people that have been truly hurt by other people that have Jesus written in their bio, you know, or Jesus, mm. Jesus guns and, and a flag in their bio, you know, this, this, I, I'm, I don't exist on either, on either sides of that, but maybe that's, maybe that's what I'm, maybe that's where the, where, where, where the kingdom is, is trying to exist in a different dimension than that. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you kind of took the, my answer for you right out of, out of my mouth of, I mean, the, like you talk about how, how inspired you were by the, by the prophets and how that's kind of what stirred you to this place. And, and it's, it's this interesting paradigm that I'm seeing in the church today where it's like, there's so many leaders that are saying like oh well america's god's chosen people like we're we're god's we're we're a, a blessed nation like this is what we are and they're taking all of these things that that, that yahweh gave to israel but the one thing they don't want to keep is the prophets you know like it's like mm. the they're claiming these blessings without claiming the responsibility of like oh i want i want wealth i want land i want possessions i want uh, power i want uh invincibility i want god's faithfulness but i'm not going to respond to the nathans i'm not going to respond to the isaiahs i'm not going to respond to the jonas like whoever the prophet may be like get them out of my face i don't want to talk to them and not only that i'm not going to talk to them because we're god's chosen country and so for me to you like as, as encouragement i mean i hope it's encouragement but like that is the role of a prophet is to is to hold that middle ground and so i mean shoot david i mean i i hope that this is this encourages you and and at times even on a much more microcosm of a scale for me it's encouraged me of like you are in a position right now where people have stood in solidarity with you for thousands of years for seeing the heart of the father and seeing the person of christ and being captivated so captivated that they're willing to forsake both those sides because mm-hmm. they see what's truly in front of them that's encouraging on one hand but on the other hand jerusalem jerusalem you who kill the prophets <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's not really there's all that side too i didn't want to sign yeah. up for that man i just wanted to play music and <laughs> and, and then i thought that talk you know i thought that talking about justice people would be excited and the lights would go on in the way it did for me when bono talked or when martin luther king mm. jr said is now is the time for us to develop a kind of dangerous unselfishness mm. but i'm up against a really well-oiled and powerful machine that yeah. really is set up in such a way where there's not 
room, not just financially, but not room in terms of resource and time allocation for people that go to buildings on Sunday morning to, to really fulfill this, this good news that Jesus Christ talked about, to make it mm. so it truly is good news for poor people. Two things. One, I find myself sounding more and more like a guy. We couldn't listen to rock and roll when we grew up, except for Keith Green. And <laughs> Keith Green, um, he would just shout out between songs, and he had this higher voice. He did Sheep and the Goats, so he just did like this piano rendition of him talking the Sheep and the Goats uh, parable, which I loved. Mm. And and he said at the end of it, and and therefore you find out that you will be judged by what you did and didn't do. And he just shouted that out. And then another time he said, hey, everybody's talking about, I don't know, I, I can't remember how he said it. And I didn't understand it when I was a kid, but now I understand mm. it very clearly. If the church was doing its job, there wouldn't need to be a discussion about how the local and federal government takes care of certain poverty related issues because those issues would be handled by the church. That's what it should be. That's what should be happening. Yeah. And I just loved how he said that so long ago. And I wish he was, I wish he would have stayed around. I, you know, we lost him when he was like 28, I think. Yeah. But I wish he would have stayed around. We need more voices like that that are saying, hey, okay, I don't care if you if you think the government does a poor job at protecting poor people and taking care of poor people. That's not my first choice. My first choice is for us to do it. And in our absence, as we sing, as we pray and read a book, we have failed miserably when it comes to taking the cause of the poor. And here's why, here's the only reason why I'm so passionate about it, because I see the potential. I'm so hopeful and excited about the potential that, mm. that, that those who claim to follow the way of Jesus Christ, if, if we would actually follow the way of Jesus Christ and take up our cross and follow him in taking the cause of the most vulnerable and being a bridge between cultures I, it would be so amazing. It's it, it's such a beautiful thing, and it, I think it exists in a lot of places. I see it. I see it. Yeah. And when you yeah. catch a glimpse of it, you're not content with anything less. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this is not a this is not a condemnation of of anyone, but it, you find yourself in this interesting position where you are you are going and and doing. I mean, I'm I'm reminded of I can't remember which of the epistles it is, but like true religion looks like this to to take care of the widow and the orphan and and basically saying like the most at risk in your civilizations like that is what true religion looks like to take care of these people and so you find yourself in in a position where where through Exodus Road you you're going and and working and and bringing people out of out of Egypt out of slavery and and seeing these people be freed and so you're seeing this this physical um, this physical rendering of that gospel message of that good news of, of these people are, are being made free. And, and obviously there's, there's things, there's processes and, and ways that need to be gone about. But I mean, I feel like for so many of us, we just don't know because we don't go. And that sounds so cliche. And so, I mean, uh, like passion, like sermon esque, but it's like, we just don't like, we, we don't know what that looks like. And, and so I I'd love to talk a little bit about that work that y'all are doing because 
I mean, even just listening to your music and, and, and hearing the, I mean, I remember the first time I heard y'all's song, uh, sunlight on her face. Like I wanted to go, I was like, I'm gonna get on a plane right now. Like hmm. I want to see what these guys are doing because it's so tangible through, through your music, the, the, the power of, of what you guys are doing. And also the, the representation of what's truly going on in those moments. I want to keep my hope and, and, and in the way I talk about all of these issues, I want to keep the tone of my heart hopeful. And I think my, I think, I think, uh, today you caught me on a day where I'm less hopeful and than a lot of days. Mm -hmm. And my work fighting against slavery, there's 40 million people enslaved today. And hanging out with precious girls from the mountainside of Thailand that have been trafficked down in the city, like it's hard to see. Mm. It's hard to pretend to be somebody that wants to buy one of these girls using spy gear. It's hard to laugh with traffickers and drink and smoke with guys that are selling girls who a week or two before were barefoot in the hills. And now they're forcing these girls into bikinis and high heels that don't fit them and their feet are tired. They're getting blisters on their feet because the high heels don't fit right. They're forced to dance. Like that wears you out a little bit. Yeah. And it's such a huge issue. Just mm. like the, the other issue we were just talking about, it's a huge issue. It seems like it's never going to change. Like it's impossible. But being faced with that darkness has changed me profoundly because I have hope. I see, I see people get rescued. I get to be part of it. And then I see the resilience uh, in the design, in the way we're designed, in the way that we're put together, the way we're fabricated. I see that light come back on. And that's one of the coolest things ever that I've ever experienced mm. in my whole life. It gives me hope. It gives me hope for individuals that are being trafficked. It gives me hope for people that are spreading lies about what the gospel is, that, that there's change. There can be change. Uh, there can be change of heart. And my heart had to change. Hmm. So I want to remain hopeful in the midst of all this. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes, I mean, that, that is difficult. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming though, like one of the places that that hope can come from for you within the work that you're doing is, is I think for, for so many people, when they find something that they're like, when they encounter that darkness and I think that there's a, a Holy spirit given and driven call to justice of like, I want to see this fixed. Like I'm going to do everything in my power to see this fixed. And, and so what what is the journey looked like for you getting involved in in that in, in with Exodus Road in, in abolition work in general? Like what what does that journey look like for you and and your friends that that go with you? So, to pick off where we left off with the uh, the A and R guy saying, but isn't worship singing? That's when <laughs> I read Amos five and those other passages, and it was this amazing moment of convergence that while I'm starting to write about slavery. I'm starting to write about Coney 2012, the warlord that was kidnapping boys and forcing them to fight his war. 
Mm. Uh, those, those lyrics were coming out of me. I wrote, I'm a soul inside a body. I'm not a commodity. And mm. that's right when I met Matt Parker, who became uh, a follower of the band back in like 08 or 09 when he heard our song All Along on the radio. It was one of his favorite songs. Mm. So our lives intersected because of that song from a long time ago. He comes to Nashville. He's looking for a band to represent the work of the Exodus Road. And that's, that's how I was introduced to his work. And I needed an organization like that. I thought that we'd be able to maybe do some fundraising. And that's why he was meeting with me. So it was nice for me because I didn't have to do any research ahead of time. He <laughs> reached out to me uh, without knowing that I was writing these songs. And I knew on my list of things to do before the album came out because it was my first album. We left the record label to make this album. Uh, mm. because they weren't interested in it my mark mark one of the one of the guys at the label said hey i am a i'm a whore i need you to give me something i can sell and this stuff's Ooh. not going to sell which is hard the worship industry man it's called the worship industry it's an industry you know there <laughs> there are yeah. some really amazing people and a, and a lot of people that i really love and there are people that spell jesus j e dollar sign u dollar sign there's definitely people like that down here mm. and uh so I was excited to move and try to leverage everything we could. It was scary because we had to go independent. We didn't have the financial backing of the label. Mm. So that's kind of what led me to it. And and then Matt, Matt said, I'll, I'll take you with you. I'll take you with me. Mm -hmm. I asked him, you know, can I, can I see it? So when I'm finishing the, this album, I want to uh, know what I'm talking about. I want to see it with my own eyes. And it kind of started that way. And I ended up getting trained on that first trip, you know, how to follow people on, in the street or in alleys, how to use spy gear, how to spot trafficking, how to keep your cool while you're in there, how to keep your cool when I'm being frisked by gangsters or mobsters or cartel members in Latin America, whatever it is. How, I, I learned from really great, gals and guys that have been doing this for a while and that that's what led to me getting involved hmm. and so how long has that been now seven years seven years wow yeah it, it there's something so so there's something there's a lot of evil in the world i, I think i mean anyone you don't even need to have a a a spiritual worldview to recognize that. But I think that there's something so dastardly and so just like plain outright evil about the, the wrong and, and sin of, of slavery, but especially sex slavery, there's, there's something that even just saying it, like it, it gives you this kind of response. Like you kind of cringe at even just hearing it. And so what what has it been like over the years as you've as you've gone and as you've you've witnessed it yourself and like highs and lows like what are the like what has that journey been like for you because like i mean like i said so many of us i haven't gone like that's and and that's something that's been on my heart for years now of 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 seeing the end of of the slave trade it, it, that's something that i do really care about and and want to see done but i haven't i still haven't been and and so for so many people that's kind of where they want to go and that's what they want to do. But what, what does that look like for you? Well, I, I said something 
similar to what you said just now, what if we saw the end of slavery in our lifetime? And if that's your goal, then it's the wrong work. We're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to deal with this in our lifetime. Mm. It's, it's mm. on the rise. There was 10 million people enslaved in, in Harriet Tubman's day when she was fighting against it. Mm. When a lot of politicians were engaging in it, writing beautiful phrases and putting them in, in, in great documents, you know, but at the same time owning people and kicking it, kicking the can down the road. There were people like Frederick Douglass who said, the soul that is within me, no man can degrade. There was people like William Wilberforce who said, you can choose to, to look the other way, but you can never again say you did not know. Hmm. And so I, you know, you can give me grief about judging people in history for not taking action because I, I wasn't there. I didn't know what it was like. But no, there were people that were there. There is the Amy Carmichaels of the world that would dye her skin with coffee 100 years ago and go into Hindu temples and rescue six, mm. seven-year-olds from forced ritual prostitution. There's always been people like that. And before mm. I forget it, I'll go into how it made me feel, but I, I finally found a quote that I've been misquoting for a long time. And here's why it doesn't bum me out to know that I won't be able to deal with, with slavery in my lifetime or with hunger or with widespread apathy in religious people. But uh, there's this, this guy from, from, from Russia, Vasily Grossman. He said, I've seen that it is not man who is impotent in the struggle against evil, but the power of evil that is impotent in the struggle against man, the powerless, the powerlessness of kindness. The senseless kindness is the secret of its immortality. It can never be conquered. The more stupid, the more senseless, the more helpless this kindness may seem, the vaster it is. Evil is impotent before it. The prophets, religious teachers, reformers, social and political leaders are impotent before it. This dumb, blind love is man's meaning. Human history is not the battle of good struggling to overcome evil. It's the battle fought by a great evil struggling to crush a small kernel of human kindness. But if what is human in human beings has not been destroyed even now, then evil will never conquer. That's vastly Grossman. And I don't know a ton about him. I don't think he was a Christian. Hmm. But he tapped into, I think, one of the most truest things ever. And that is there's a way that we're designed. There's something about the way we're designed where, where innately we want to participate in the freedom of someone else. That's it's something woven into the very fabric of our souls, intertwined in our DNA strands. It's uh, echoing in our hearts like a song. And it's, it's, it's easy to drown that out, that longing to participate in these movements of freedom, justice, mercy, and compassion. But it's there. It's deep down inside. And I just want to try to light, light that spark or blow, blow a little bit of oxygen onto that fire that's already there in my own heart. And that's, what's, that's what doing this work on the front lines does. Yeah, there's evil. Yeah, I see it. And it's always been evil. Don't let anybody tell you that, that, that Roman slavery around the time of Jesus Christ wasn't 
some of the most brutal slavery ever. It was, it was brutal. There's no excuse for it. And there's no, no excuse for, 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 for that immorality to be mentioned once inside of the early believers gatherings. And yet it still was. And people failed to address it. They didn't do, need to make a social change. They could have, you, you, you were right when you said it's the most evil thing possible. It is. Yeah. And it was evil back when the Israelites were doing it to other people they conquered. It was just as evil as this, if not even more evil. You know, when you conquer a people group, you know, you're supposed to kill all of them and then just keep the virgin girls alive and force them to be your wives. My, my God never said that. Mm. I think it was wrote, written down wrong. I don't think my God ever said that. And that <laughs> yeah. makes me a heretic. Yeah. But, but he didn't say that. Yeah, that's, that's another conversation for another time that I'd love to have. <laughs> uh, so all these people are saying, oh, it's not awful. Well, if Paul could say like, you know, hey, just obey your masters. He was talking to the same kind of girls and boys that we're helping to rescue. That same thing was going on with the elite and powerful Roman rulers and such. Yeah. So doing it, doing the work, seeing it, being around enslaved people and exiled people has helped me I think identify with the gospel in a, in a whole new way and so mm. as hard as it is as dark as it is I I I, I have an, a new excitement about this kingdom that is subverting these temporary arrogant empires of our day mm. yeah yeah it, you, you know it, you mentioned subversiveness and 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 it's I'm, it must just be because it's been on my brain of of some of the the books i've been reading and, and the sermons i've been listening to of just how and and even going back to that quote you just shared of, of the the small kernel of human kindness or the small kernel of, of kindness or the small kernel of love, like you see Jesus use the, the most humiliating thing of the time. He, he's a man who's been colonized. He's a, he's basically no better than a slave and he has a social and a religious and message and he's an enemy of the state and he's crucified. And so many Christians like to kind of play around that of like, Oh, well, like the cross was a political thing. It, it was saved for people that Rome could say we we have power over this person to hu humiliate them in this way, and so you have Christ undertake this as the only person that has ever I don't want to say deserved because that that leads to certain implications, but the only person that is doesn't need that like has never needed anything even close to that, and he takes it on himself. And he, he's risen from the dead and he says, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and, and make disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the, the command is to go. And so as someone who's gone, and I mean, shoot, I'm fired up just thinking about it. Like, where do we go? Like, what do we do? How do we start? Like for, for me personally, like, like I said earlier, like listening to your music, sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to go quit my job and jump on a plane right now because I'm I'm so fired up and I want to do something. Um, but but where where do we start? You're fired up because you were made that way, man. 
You were designed that way. You were designed to be part of these causes. Like it is the good works that were prepared for you and you alone to do since before the foundations of the earth were even fastened. This good Mm -hmm. work. I think it's in Ephesians. It says something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and Jesus said, go and make disciples teach, teaching them to do all these things that I taught you. What are the things he taught them? He taught them the sheep and the goats. He taught them about a, a hero that happened to be a different religion and a different nationality, a nationality that those in power dehumanized and called similar words to like dog or infestation. Jesus chose to make the hero of the story on that dangerous curve between Jericho and Jerusalem, the Samaritan man who saw mm. as the other guys in their nice outfits walked walked on their way to their worship service and ignored him. You know, Jesus made the hero of his story, the Samaritan guy who didn't have the nice clothes and was walking to worship. He put the guy that was beat up and bloody on his donkey and he went and gave him restoration. And there is something like that for you to do. And there's also something like that for you to talk about. And you're using the currency right now of your microphone and of your podcast. And that's awesome to shine a light on injustice and to try to call, call people into taking action against it. And I love it that I get to use my song. There's some reason why my song, it comes straight from my spirit to your spirit. And, and it was impacted by encounters I had with real girls that were trying to rescue and that we have rescued. And it, it, it grabs hold of you. And I know what that feels like because I felt it when Bono said something. I felt it when Martin Luther King said something. I felt it in documentaries and movies, Blood Diamond. And uh, I just watched David Eubanks' free Burma Rangers documentary on Amazon. It just, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I feel that way. And, and we all do because, because that is tattooed on our heart, if you will. That's the word of God that formed the heavens and the earth speaking melodically inside um, or the spirit. So... Anybody that's listening also has a currency in the same way you have the currency of your podcast and I have the currency of my rock and roll band. We have the currency of our youth, our art, our time, our moral capital, our political capital, our camera lenses, our creativity, our imagination, our sweat and blood. What if you spend the currency of your life on behalf of the poor and the powerless? And the prophet Isaiah says, if you spend yourself on behalf of the powerless and your light will rise like the noonday and the maker will go before you and the maker will watch your back. And I wish I had like a really clear Avenue for you, but I can't walk your path. But I do know that Mm -hmm. if you take steps forward, that the water will divide for you like it did for Moses of old. And he had a million people walk behind him on dry ground to their freedom. Hmm. But a good place to start is texting remedy to five one five five five. And if if you know somebody listening doesn't know about the work of the Exodus Road, what will happen is you'll get an, a text every time we make a rescue that we're able to make public. You'll be the first to know about it. You'll get a text on your phone, and and you'll you'll get ways to get involved. And I I really believe in those red X's that we do every year. But I only believe in it if it's attached by some sort of progression of contribution, whether it's a tweet, 
and then maybe a, a little house party where you raise funds to put one of our operators into the field. And then maybe it's, like you said, Chris, maybe it's going over someday with an organization like the Exodus Road or volunteering in your local community. I'm sure there's aftercare and rehabilitation uh, NGOs, non-government mm-hmm. organizations in your own community. And that's a great way to get started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shoot. Those are those are some really good places to start. I mean, gosh, it's. You know, it, it, it's an interesting thing growing up in an evangelical society where um, missionaries were kind of seen as like this top tier, um, like upper echelon of godliness of of uh, hmm. of a I don't know what the word is like. It's a it's a whole other like varsity Christian was kind of always the joke <laughs> amongst amongst my that. friends. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, it, it was, it was hilarious. We were I'm always, still, I'm still JVB team, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's so profound to, to, I mean, for someone like yourself to be like, I can't walk your journey for you, and to give that hard answer. I mean, shoot, like it, gosh, it's inspiring, it's encouraging, and I mean, I hope this conversation's encouraged the the people that are listening. I don't know how many people listen to this show, but. I mean, I'm fired up right now. Like I want to, I'm, I want to go do something and I, I want, I want my light to rise in, in that way. And, and I know that we're coming quick to the, uh, to the end of our time together and, and kind of the, I didn't tell you this beforehand, but kind of the, the message behind this podcast, th- this currency, as you said, is I see these Christians getting frustrated with the apathy, getting frustrated with the hypocrisy getting frustrated with uh, like my God didn't say that and being told that they're a heretic and stuff like that. And, and there are so many great resources for, for theology and there's so many great resources for, um, for, for things of that nature. But one of the things I saw lacking was spiritual practice of, of what does this look, how does this affect my life? How does this affect the way I, I live and move and, and, and interact with the world? And, and I think that jo- justice is a very huge part of that. And, but I think another thing that I like, I would like to see more of, and, and I'm trying to practice more of, is the the spiritual discipline of encouragement. And so, David, before we close, like I just really want to encourage you of, of, um, one thing as I've as I've had a few friends moving into worship ministry capacities and and uh, on on smaller levels within congregations, seeing a lot of the same things that that you're seeing of of frustration with this kind of industrial complex revolving around worship music. Man, I have yeah. never, I have never heard that term used that way. You know, I use military industrial complex in a song and then I've heard it with like, you know, pharmaceutical industrial complex, but wow, that's dark. <laughs> oh yeah. No, it, it is dark. And it, and unfortunately, I mean, I could be wrong. I, I might be wrong. I don't, I don't, I'm not educated enough to make a statement either way, but at least from what I'm observing, it's, it's pretty, it, it's it's pretty dang close if it's not um but the the purpose of of a worship leader the purpose of of a worship minister the purpose of the songwriter in general is to welcome people into the throne room of god hmm. and and that's always been my encouragement to those friends is that's that's the purpose of worship like that's the meaning of this thing and so from me to you for, for whatever it's worth, uh, 
you you have this perspective that is so important this prophetic voice that not only are you you welcoming people into the throne room of god but you're out you're actually also radiating that heart like that heartbeat and that's that's so rare and i i don't i don't think i see that very often unfortunately i wish i saw it more but even in just your music of i mean just listening to the north star earlier today of like this is this is justice music. Like this is music to to go out and get your sign and march, but it's worship music. Hmm. Like it 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 radiates the characters of Jesus or characteristics of Jesus. And so I really just want to encourage you. I mean, especially since you told me this is one of those days where it's harder to feel encouraged. Of just keep please like for me to you keep doing what you're doing because it the the justice work, the abolition work, the 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 music it is so important and so necessary and we i like you said like i have hope like we are on the precipice of something greater um mm. as you've said brighter than apathy like we we are transitioning into a new age uh for the church and i don't know what that's going to be but like i know that we need people like you i appreciate that man those are kind things to say absolutely and I mean, before we close, where, where can people find you? Where can people find Remedy Drive? Where can people find Exodus Road? So text REMEDY to 51555 and then REMEDYDRIVE.COM, TheExodusRoad.COM. There's a podcast that the Ex- Exodus Road's doing called Until All Are Free, and they're doing a great job. A lot of frontline stories. I, I have a little 12-minute episode with them coming up about it's a follow-up to a pot to a one that matt parker the founder of the exodus road did about this uh operation that happened in january of this year in asia that was one of the scariest moments of my life so that's coming out soon hmm. dang well i everyone be looking for that and and like i said david it, it's been such a such a pleasure to talk to you it, it's been it's been really fun. And I, I hope that we can actually have that conversation about my God didn't say that because that's, that's a conversation I haven't had yet. So yeah. hopefully we can have it soon. All right, my friend. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you. Hey friends, real quick. Sorry. I don't have any audio transition. I, I apologize if that was abrupt. I have a very special opportunity to share with you guys uh, the single off of Remedy Drive's new album, Dragons. The album is called Imago Amor, and I'm so freaking excited. Uh, the first time I heard it, it it brought me to tears. It it gave me goosebumps. It it hit me at a at a point in my life where I really needed something to remind myself what I'm here for, what I'm here to do. Um, and for those of us who have gone through a deconstruction process, I think it's very easy to get bogged down and frustrated and and disenfranchised and i feel like remedy drive does such an amazing job of creating music that is confrontational but also hopeful uh for a better future for a better tomorrow for for the world um so without further ado i'm super excited to do this i give you dragons These waters are uncharted And here there be dragons In the legacy that was started
It's the starlight that guides 